His hand the wonders wrought This is my father's world Oh, and let me never forget That though the wrong seems often so strong God is the ruler, yeah This is my father's word Oh, the battle is not done Cause Jesus who died will be satisfied Have a seat. Well, good morning. Happy to welcome you again to the firehouse today. My name is Brad. I'm one of the pastors here. I'm excited to have you. That was. Thank you so much for the for the video there for the uh, just for the thank you there. That was a lot of fun. I, I learned a lot of things from that, and I have some new goals for the, for the next year here from that video. Ned, we're going to be working it all year to get your full approval. <laughs> We've been working hard, but we're, we're partway there. Um, I learned that if you jump on a diving board at any time in the year, that's fair game for a video. That's good to know, so watch out at the McCoy's pool parties, because uh, you might end up in the video. And I'd like to clear something up, too. Um, Bree, she really is that good of a tennis player, so in case you're wondering. She, she gets kind of intense, that laser focus out there. It's, if you haven't seen it, catch your game next year. Match, match. That's the word. Well, I, I had a verse just to share for you. That was, I just say, on behalf of the pastors, um, Thank you so much for that video. A verse I think of is um, 1 Thessalonians 2.8. says, We loved you so much that we are delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well, because you had become so dear to us. And I just say on behalf of us, thank you, for, thank you for this church family. Thank you for letting us be a part of it. You truly are dear to us, and, and we love just having an opportunity to serve with you and, and to be in this family together. So thanks for the gifts and the video. and just uh, allowing us to be with you here in the church. So, what on earth am I here for? We are continuing on in this series today. 
says there, you are made for a mission. It's kind of the, the one we're going to talk about today. So I'll pray and then we'll kind of turn things over into this uh, teaching and series here. God, we do thank you for today. I do thank you for this church. God, we thank you that you've put us here together. Um, this church family is dear to me. God, this is, this is my family. You set us here together and... We thank you for that. We just pray you redeem the short time we have together. And speak to us from your word, whether it's our first time to church in a while, or, um, God, we're a pastor, you can, you can talk to us. Uh, and we just pray you'd speak to each of our hearts and help us take away something we can do and we can work on. Um, and we just pray you bless this time. Amen. Well... Somewhere back there, there was a box of handouts. I don't know if they made it in this morning. All right. So if we want to get those started around, that would be fantastic. Well, as we get started, I have a few blocks from Regis University up there off of Federal. And so my family often takes walks out in the neighborhood and and we go around on campus. And if you're anything like me, when you went to college, you might have thought, that's a place where I can really get some answers in life. I can figure out who I am. I can figure out what I'm here for. You know, I thought that if I got the right degree and I specialized in the right major and went in the right career, it would add purpose to my life. I'd know what I was here for. And uh, I have a banner I saw on campus the other day there that kind of summed up how I went to college campus. It says, come with questions. And that's right where I was at when I went into college. I had a lot of questions. I wasn't sure even if I wanted to go to college or not because I just didn't know what I was doing in life. And I think that sums up with how a lot of us enter college and maybe even how a lot of us go through life. We come with questions. And the second banner talks about the college's answers. It says, leave with more profound questions. For anything like me, that's what I found in college. I took one philosophy class as a freshman. I think the whole class, the first day, started with a question, something like, what on earth am I here for? What are we living for? And by the end of class, you had a whole notebook full of notes with more questions just to try to answer one question you started the class with. But I've been blessed that there's answers from God to that question. What are we living for? What's our purpose? What on earth am I here for? That God really has answers for us. You know, Rick Warren summarizes God's plan for all of history like this. He says he's gathering a family that will love and live with him forever. That's your first blank on the sheet there if you've gotten them. So we're going to review how for the last few weeks this series has just built up to this picture of this family together and how this family God has given us, has given a mission to do together which is our fifth calling in life, which is the mission. Ephesians 1.5 says, His unchanging plan has always been to adopt us into His own family by bringing us to Himself through Jesus Christ. And this gave Him great pleasure. So God had in mind before the beginning of time to draw each of us into a family together. I want to start just by reviewing a little bit of the series and some of the, uh, some of the last few weeks here and just how it leads up to this idea of a family. 
We started by talking about how we were created to be loved by God. How from the beginning of time He chose us to be in relationship with Him. And then we talked about how to carry out what God had for us and His plan for our life, we needed to do it in the context of a church family together. How we couldn't do it on our own, but He wanted to draw us into a family. And then we talked about how God didn't just want to leave us there, but He had somewhere for us to go. That He he wanted to lead us to become more like Him, to grow into His image. Last week we studied how we were created to bless one another in the family, to serve and bless. And those four purposes together can take us from off the street and entering college with a lot of questions to having a purpose in our life. You know, before we understood those purposes, each of us were living for ourselves at some point in our life. I know I was. Pursuing our own happiness or money or fame or love in this world. And as we understand our calling and respond to God, He draws us into a relationship with Himself and into a community with the church. And He teaches us to grow together, to love and serve one another, and to worship and obey Him. But that wasn't God's end goal of the church. You know, the church, like I mentioned, the church has been a blessing to me. It's been a blessing to each of us. And God gave us this gift where we can be in family and community. And where we have an opportunity to serve and bless others. But God didn't give us this mission to go out and create a great church, grab a hundred dear Christians, and live together in bliss for the rest of our lives. There's an official term for that. I don't know if you know it. If you've heard this before, it's called bullets, beans, and Bibles. That's a different mission you can have. Get up enough food you can store in your bunker. Get enough bullets to defend off any evil that's going to come in and hunker down. So there's people out there that that's kind of the mission they've taken on. Just hide out until the Lord comes back. But I think God had in mind a purpose that was beyond just hiding out together like that for the church, for us, together. In the book, Rick Warren says that my fifth purpose and calling in life is this. I'm sent to bring others into God's family. I'm sent to bring others into God's family. So there's a purpose for the church that can't be done in this nice little commune apart from the world with your bullets, beans, and Bibles. 2 Corinthians 5.18 says, Through Christ, God made peace between us and Himself. Then God gave us the work of bringing others into peace with Him. So I'm sent to bring others into God's family. You know, as I prayed about this message, something seemed just not quite right about that statement to me. And the weird thing, it's perfectly accurate... I could quote verses on why that's an accurate statement. I'm sent to reach others. God's sending us out. We want to bring people into the family. And then as I prayed about it, it hit me. God never told me to go out and bring people into God's family. God told us to go out and bring people into this family together. And to answer this call, we first need to be in a family. And then He gives us this mission to go out and do together as a family. I watch a lot of football, as a side note. 
as it was in the video, maybe I should just say, football! <laughs> but if you've been following the Broncos for the last couple of years, you know that there's a lot of talk about their goal lately. They've made it no secret that their ultimate goal is to win the Super Bowl this year. And much of that hope that that's something obtainable and not just a pipe dream lies in the fact that they have a pretty exceptional quarterback you might have heard of once or twice named Peyton Manning. And so it's not outside the realm of possibility they could do that. And they also have a coach that's been to a Super Bowl before, at least up until his heart problems they did. Um, we'll see where that goes. But they appear to have one of the best teams in the league, and statistically they're putting up numbers that haven't been seen ever. But you know, as good of a quarterback as Peyton Manning is, if he were to quit the Broncos today and go at it on his own, apart from a team, he would have no chance of winning the Super Bowl. The best quarterback in the world is not even in the game. He doesn't even have a chance to get to that goal until he's on a team and working together. And that's true in any team sport. LeBron James, as good as he is, has no chance of winning an NBA title apart from a team like the Miami Heat. The same concept is true in the military. They put together a troop, and they put a person in charge of it, and they're, they're given orders to go carry out a mission together. But do you know what you call someone who leaves that mission together and goes and does something on their own apart from it? AWOL. Absent without leave. You don't call them a hero. You don't give them a medal. They don't get clapped for when they come home. If they disobey those orders and go off on their own, they'd be punished in some form or dismissed. And that's the context in which God gives us this mission. To truly carry it out, it must be in this context of a church family. So I want you to go back to your sheet where you wrote down, I'm sent to bring others into God's family. I want you to cross out the word I'm and write down we're. We're sent to bring others into God's family. Because this is not a mission that was given to any one of us alone. This is a mission that God has given us together to carry out as a church family. To draw someone into the family, you first have to be teamed up with the family. So now the question is, and you'll see it in big font right in the middle of your sheet, but the question is, how do we carry out this mission together? What does God want us to do, I think is how it's phrased on there. So we're just going to cover three simple steps that will help us get going on this mission together as a church. So the first step on there, and your first blank, is simply to pray for people to join the family and the mission. Pray. Jesus said this in Matthew 9, There are so many people to harvest, but only a few workers to help harvest them. Pray to the Lord who owns the harvest that He will send out more workers to gather His harvest. Now, there's a few things that strike me there. One is, first, that Jesus says that there are so many people to harvest. The harvest is ready. And in this context of the family, I believe that just means that God has people out there that He wants to add to His family. He has people He's eyeing. But there's a lack of people on that mission to go reach them, to go invite them into the family. There's also a few things to pray in that section of verses there, if you notice. One is to pray for workers. That people would join the mission to go out and share. And as people go out, there's another prayer request in here. A prayer request that the gathering would gather a harvest of people that then would join in on that mission. 
The next step under what God wants us to do is to go introduce people to our Father. Go introduce people to our Father. There's a lot of ways to phrase that mission, but I just kept it in line with that family theme this morning. We're going to unpack a few parts of the mission God gave us in Matthew 28. It's also called the Great Commission. Let's read in verses 19 and 20. It should be up on the screen there. It says, Jesus said, Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And that command really starts in verse 19 there with, Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations. Simply, God wants us to go out into the world and tell people about Him. So God has brought us together into this incredible family like we talked about. And up until this point, most everything, if not everything we've talked about in this series, can be completed and obeyed right in the comfy confines of this church. And then God reveals to us that the point isn't for us to sit here and be comfortable together. It's to go out and make disciples. And that's one of the biggest disconnects that we can have as a church and we can have as a Christian in obeying all that God has given us to do. And as a Christian, we can track with what God has for us, we can track with what the church is doing, and then just kind of disconnect when it hits this point of going out. You know, I'm good eating donuts before church. I'm good with singing songs. I like hearing the teaching. Uh, You know what, I'll even stay late and sweep the floors if you ask. I'll go to that small group on Wednesday that Greg announced. But don't ask me to go outside and talk to people about Jesus. And I know that language because I've been there. As a young Christian, that was a big disconnect in my life. I started coming to a church. I started going to a small group Bible study in the week, similar to what we have here. I even started going to prayer meetings during the week with my uh, small group leader, Tom. I started reading my Bible. I started praying. I would go to church early to set up sound equipment. But I would not outreach. That was my limit. And it took years to go and do any work outside of the church that they were doing. Over the summer, we were at a pastor's conference in the Midwest, and there was a man speaking there named Leith Anderson. It's not a name I would expect you to know, but he was, a, he was a pastor at a church in Georgia for 35 years, and he's the current president of a, you know, a group of denomination of churches called the National Association of Evangelicals. So needless to say, he has, his, has a pulse on a lot of churches and denominations and just things going on just in the greater church in America. And he was being interviewed on, on stage from someone in one of our churches, and He had a few thoughts on the kind of churches that are going to be shaping the world in 25 years. The kind of churches that are really going to be doing it. And there are two things he emphasized. There's two questions he had for us as pastors. The first was, will you do evangelism? Will you go out and evangelize? And the second is, will you plant churches? Will you start new churches in other places? That was it. He said churches that are doing those two things will be shaping the world in 25 years. It wasn't how the pastor was in his teaching. It wasn't the music. It wasn't those things. It was a question of go. Really, it comes down to a question for the church. Will you go? Will you go out? Will you go outside the walls and tell people about Jesus? 
Will we go to other cities, states, and countries to start more churches that do the same? Will we go? So the next part of it that God wants us to do together as a church is to draw people into God's family. And that's your next blank there. So we're in prayer, we go out to tell people about Jesus, and then we bring them back into the family. Continuing in Matthew 28, 19, it says, Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, as we talked about. Now we move on to the next part. It says, Baptizing them in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. So again, the first part is to go out into the world and tell people about Jesus. And the second part really involves inviting them into the family. Jesus first tells us to baptize new Christians as they walk into relationship with Him as a first step. Baptism is nothing magic. It's not something needed to go to heaven. But it's a symbol that God gave us to start a habit of obeying Him and to identify with Him as our Father. We often say around here that baptism is is a public proclamation telling the church and the world what's already happened in our heart and starting a relationship with Him. And as I think about baptism in this context of a family, I think of this metaphor of it's kind of like taking Christ's name in the family. And we were married, Sarah took on my name. She left her family name of Macbeth and publicly proclaimed that she was joining in a family with me um, and took my name of Albert. And when we had our daughter Phoebe, she also took my family name of Albert. And if we have any more children, they'll all have that name of Albert for our family. And in baptism, it's similar that we're publicly saying that we're taking on Christ's name. So part of, I, uh, part of drawing people into the family is helping them say, I'm Christ. I'm taking on His name. I'm part of His family. And there's a worldwide church that spans every generation, race, denomination, time, that is a family together with Christ's name that's eternal. And God has us in this little immediate family together here that we call the Firehouse Church. The other part of this command we covered in Matthew 28 there was to teach them to observe, or just to do all that God has commanded us. As we think about this in the context of this series of a family, really we're talking about teaching people to observe those five purposes we've talked about through this series. That we start introducing them to our Father, that they would be in loving relationship with Him, drawing them into belonging in the church, encouraging them as a disciple, as Matthew 28 says here, to become more like Jesus, and encouraging them to serve in the church. And then the final step, really, is to see them join in the mission and go out and draw other people into the family as they were drawn in. And that's the reproductive nature of the Christian life. It's that to live out the whole plan God has for us, we must be going out and drawing others into the family with us. And your sheet, there's one more verse under there. It's the 2 Timothy 4.5. Work at bringing others to Christ. That is the work God has given us to do. And our involvement with that mission together will bring purpose to our life and our church. So I'll leave you with a few thoughts to think about uh, that Rick writes in these chapters you're going to read this week in the book. And there's a lot of things we look to to bring purpose to our life. Like I mentioned, we can look to money, 
connect to jobs, awards, houses, accolades. But none of these things are going to go with us into eternity. In heaven, a janitor that's walking close with God and obeying and making disciples will have more honor than a CEO that's not obeying and walking in that. The whole economy is flipped upside down. What's important is, what will go with us in some tangible way is fruit from the gospel. People that have been added to the family. But will we see people that have been added to that family because of our labor together? Are we living together for what's eternal as a church and as each of us? One other thought from the chapters there. In one chapter this week, Rick talks about the reason why the church is on earth. And we think about the title of this book and series, What on Earth Am I Here For? There's a word I tend to emphasize as I think about it. I tend to think of it as, what on earth am I here for? Another way to think about that, what if we thought about this title, What on earth am I here for? You know, I was reminded as I read it that of all the functions of the church, only outreach, only going, can be done only on earth. Everything else will be better in heaven. We're going to have a more intimate relationship with God as we see Him face to face and audibly hear His voice for the first time. We'll have a better relationship with one another as our sin, distractions are stripped away from our life. Worship, I thought worship was great today, but the Bible says that all the angels and all the Christians that ever lived will join together in singing before the Lord as we look into His face. And the only opportunity we won't have left when we're in heaven is to reach out and draw more people into the family of God. The family will be set. The roster's done. In Jeremiah 31-34, you'll see on the screen there, there's a prophecy about the family of God in heaven. It says, They will not need to teach their neighbors, nor will they need to teach their relatives, saying, You should know the Lord. For everyone, from the least to the greatest, will know me already, says the Lord. And I will forgive their wickedness, and I will never again remember their sins. You see, God's family is eternal. There will be incredible fellowship with the entire family of God forever in heaven. And if all God wants us to do is have church together here, to be, come together to serve, to pray, to worship, Lord, take us to heaven now. Because all those things will be better in heaven than they are here. You know, I think when Paul was talking in Philippians 1, I think this is what he was talking about. He says, I trust that my life will bring honor to Christ whether I live or die. For to me, living means living for Christ. And dying is even better. But if I live, I can do more fruitful work for Christ. So I really don't know which is better. He understood that if he went to heaven, it would be beyond imagination and joy, but it would also mean an end to his mission and to his involvement with it, to fruitful labor on earth. And he wanted to be using his life to be in community doing that fruitful work. Do you know that the Bible tells us why Jesus has not come back yet? Why he still has the church here on earth, why we're here today? Why we've not gone to heaven, where worship will be better, where we're seeing Jesus. 
2 Peter 3.9 talks about God's promise of returning when Jesus comes back to take His church home. It says, The Lord is not slow about His promise, as some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. You see, Jesus still has the church on earth because there is more people that He wants to draw into His family. And if He came back and ended the earth today and drew us home, the family roster would be set. But God is patient and is actively drawing people into His family today. As we close, I want you to think about this. There's a mission that God has sent us out on as a church, like we talked about. This mission of being sent out to draw others into God's family. And as pastors, this is a mission we're serious about. In fact, you might not know this, but our church has a mission statement taught in it last year. But it's reaching the world with Jesus, starting here. Our mission is to go out together into the world and reach people with Jesus. And even though there's a shared, this is a shared mission that we have together, I have a question for you today. Will you join us in it? Our prayer is that every one of you would join us in that mission. And as I shared earlier, I'm praying that each of you would, would be laborers, that you'd be sent out into the fields with us, that you would join us in the mission that God has sent us on. There's one more blank on your sheet I want you to pray about. It says, will you join the family and the mission that God has sent our family on? Really, will you invest your life in what is eternal? Because there's a team of people here at the firehouse that are serious about that mission, living out that mission. Rick says this in the book as he compares a a worldly Christian that is not on that mission with what he calls a world-class Christian that is joined in on that mission. He said, Worldly Christians look to God primarily for personal fulfillment. They are saved, but self-centered. They love to attend concerts and enrichment seminars, but you would never find them in a missions conference because they aren't interested. Their prayer focuses on their own needs and blessings and happiness. It's a me-first kind of faith. How can God make my life more comfortable? They want to use God for their purposes instead of being used by God for His purposes. In contrast, world-class Christians know that they were saved to serve and made for a mission. They are eager to receive a personal assignment and excited about the privilege of being used by God. So I ask you, will you be what Rick would call a world-class Christian and join us in that mission? We're going to talk about that mission at small groups this week. And Rich will do one more wrap-up next week as we conclude this series on, on what on earth am I here for. But I just leave you to pray about that. Will you join the family and the mission? Let's pray. God, we thank you for today. We do thank you for the chance to be together. and We're thankful for the family of God. We're thankful that you chose each of us and drew us into relationship with you and set us in this family and and gave us a mission to do together. God, I just pray for everyone here today that you would send them out as laborers into your field. God, that they they would join the family. They would join the mission. God, I pray for us as a church 
that you would give us what Paul talked about, fruitful labor. God, let us be a church that draws people into our family, that goes out into the Highlands neighborhood here, that goes out in our workplaces, and, and even goes out on a church plant or across seas if you ask us to. But God, help us just heed that call to go together and be a church that's fruitful and would multiply. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thanks for coming today. We'll catch you next week.